0: Good morning, all right. For those of you that were here in March, I made a deal with you before I spoke that if you amen me well, I promise that I will deliver a Hagin story. Because not only did I work with him at Real Life, as he mentioned, I married into the family so I know all the stories. So, yes. All right, so, such an honor to be with you guys. This is gonna be fun. (laughs) This is gonna be fun this fall. But I had to look up who Ernest Moen actually was. Here's what I found for the Ernest Moen Chair for Pentecostal Preaching. I found that he was a statesman, pastor, and evangelist in the AG in the later 20th century. Isn't it weird to kind of say that now? He wrote... These words in an AG textbook for pastoral theology course, it was called the Pentecostal Pastor, a mandate for the 21st century. Here's his words. What images run through your mind when you hear the phrase Pentecostal preaching? I hear a mighty rushing wind sweeping through the auditorium. Electricity crackles in the air and builds to a rising crescendo of fire. It sends a trembling through the limbs of those poised on the edge of their seats, their faces enraptured by the inspired words of the speaker." The speaker, He is dripping from the exertion of his preaching. His hair and tie is askew. His face is alternately glowing and distorted. The words are tumbling out of his mouth as fast as he can say them. There's a fire blazing in his eyes, a reflection of the Pentecostal fervor planted within him by the Holy Spirit. His words are divinely inspired, easy to understand, powerful in context. They have the power to drive a stake through the heart of a sinner until he is doubled over in agony and crying out for forgiveness, that is Pentecostal preaching. Seriously? Not only do I have to follow Mother Martha twice, that's what I'm supposed to be doing? I mean, let's talk a little bit about how today is going to work. Number one, I don't own any ties. So the hair could definitely go askew, but the tie, that's not gonna happen. I would really prefer if I don't end up dripping from the exertion. You can feel free to be poised on the edge of your seat. Make sure that your facial feedback to me is enraptured by my inspired words let's see if there's a fire blazing. For this particular message, I honestly did not follow my particular sermon writing flow. In fact, before this trip, I knew more about my second and third visit messages than I knew about today's. I am a very, very firm believer that the Holy Spirit is as present in the preparation as the Spirit is present in the presentation. You don't have to be extemporaneous to be anointed. However, this one's a little different. And since it has been frustrating the daylight and the nightlight out of me, that is a pretty good sign that this message is more about God and you than it is about me in the mowing chair. So let's read a story together this morning about when somebody else learned it was more about what God had to say than what he had to say. Okay, stick with me, I talk fast, sorry. Exodus two, verse one, about this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. Lesson number one, if you're a good note taker, is every mama is positive her child is special. I have five. Real quick, can you show a a picture of my husband, Ben? He is amazing. He is a graphic designer and a techie. He made all the slides work this morning. And then the next slide are my five children, Jada, Jayshawn, Jaren, Aja, and Ari. And uh, Aja is actually here with me. You want to wave? Every mama is positive. Her child is special. Verse 3 But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. Point two, mothers of newborns who haven't slept for three months because their baby is special do some very weird things. Let's keep reading. Verse four, the baby's, sister then, or the baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Any older siblings in the room? Yeah. All right, yeah, put your hands down. Younger siblings. <laughs> Point number three, older siblings love to watch their younger siblings be in dangerous situations. Okay. Hold up. None of that would be responsible preaching. That is not a responsible reading of this text. It is not rightly dividing the word of truth. But you gotta be honest, it could kind of preach, right? But you know, mowing chair, mowing chair, finding my inner Martha Tennyson right now. Let's stick to the text, shall we? keep reading. So the, entire, the entitled princess comes down to the river, sees a three-month-old baby that's crying, maybe for the entire three months, and she thinks it's so cute. Why? Because she's not the sleep-deprived one. Princess has got Egyptian cotton sheets to sleep on. Verse 6, this must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. So why don't I hold him and take a new profile picture with this poor, hungry child from another culture? Because, because I feel so sorry for him, even though my dad thinks he doesn't deserve to live, yet alone prosper in this country because his parents' generation were immigrants who escaped poverty and famine to come here and make a better life. Sorry, Mo and Cher. No eisegesis allowed. No, preaching from a personal soapbox, that is not a responsible use of the text. So his old mama gets to nurse him. And then to save his life, she presents him back to this other mother who still has been sleeping through the night because she hasn't spent one night with a crying baby. In verse 10, the princess named him Moses. For she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Thank you, princess, for doing that heavy lifting. Oh wait, did I add that emphasis to that sentence? It's not actually anywhere in the text. Probably added it because of my own sin struggles. It's a struggle for me honestly, not with insecurity but with overconfidence. I'm an Enneagram three. Probably shouldn't be preaching from that lesson that I'm still working on. Bow and share. Back to the text. So it should come as absolutely no surprise that after that lovely approach to child-rearing, verse 11, many years later when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews. That's just an interesting line you can study later. He went out to visit his own people and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of the fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian, hid the body in the sand, because that's a functional story on how finding your cultural identity works. The next day when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend, Moses said to the one who had started the fight. The man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you gonna kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? Moses was afraid, thinking everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened and he tried to kill Moses. Sidebar, he's been trying to kill Moses Moses' entire life. But Moses fled. Moses flees to go sit in his own failed bravado. His attempt to grasp his identity who was i who am i exactly who am i supposed to be then he meets some girls he gets to flex and he's rewarded with a wife gentlemen that's not the way it works anymore later she gave birth to a son and moses named him gershom for he explained i have been a foreigner in a foreign land, and honestly, my mama bear just wants to go up and hug young Moses and say, Moses, honey, you have always been a foreigner in a foreign land. You were never allowed to be who you really are because someone in authority didn't know what it was to allow you to be. Verse 23, years passed, and he was moving on, but others weren't. Because how many of you know that God doesn't deliver you just to leave everybody else enslaved? That's a really good point. It actually has nothing to do with my sermon, but it was too good to cut. So that's just extra credit. Moen chair. Let's stick with the text. Chapter three. Verse two. A shrub is on fire. Verse four. A shrub on fire starts talking. And Moses replies, here I am. I would like to think that if a shrub starts burning and talking that I would answer. I don't think I would. And God tells him, stop right there. Recognize what's going down. This is holy ground, Mo. I'm God, and Moses finally acts just like I would (laughs) and covers his face, and then God says, verse nine, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, because guess what, Moses, you weren't the only baby crying, and then they have this convo where God calls Moses to this great social justice movement, And Moses' answer keeps being, who am I? Who am I? And God responds, yeah, okay, so it's not actually about you. It's about the fact that I have called you. Okay, Moses says, so you're not gonna answer the whole who am I question, so let's try this question. Who are you? And God replies to Moses, I am who I am. And if I were Moses, I would stand there and go, what? So God explains a bit more. And then he paints this picture. He paints this incredibly inspiring vision of what God is going to do specific words that Moses is supposed to say, specific things that he is supposed to do. Seriously, it is an immaculate game plan that's laid out for him. Chapter four, but Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me and listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what's in your hand? Shepherd's staff, Moses replied, throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and turned it into a snake. (laughs) Moses jumped back. This is when I agree with Moses' reaction. The Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it. I don't agree with Moses' reaction there. And it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. God says at that point, it's kind of hard to transport a burning piece of shrubbery. So... Take this shepherd's staff slash snake thing that I just taught you how to do and show them that one. And if that doesn't work, here's a second thing that you can do. And God says, and if that doesn't work, here is a third thing that you can do. Verse 10 But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. Verse 11, then the Lord asked Moses, oh my gosh, didn't I just give you three things to do that had nothing to do with words coming out of your mouth? Okay, that's not what he said. Because God is definitely more patient than I am and he honestly, I don't think he appreciates a well done snarky the same way I do. So, Mo and share, back to the text. Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will be with you as you speak and I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, Please, send anyone else. And the Lord became angry with Moses because duh. All right, he said. What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well. You know how I know that because I made his mouth the same way I made yours. In fact, look, here he comes. He looks happy about this whole situation. Because, don't you know, God doesn't direct Moses' path. He directs everyone's. And then God says to him, why don't you talk to him? Why don't you, Moses, just go ahead and put the words in Aaron's mouth? Okay. Okay. Maybe God does appreciate a good snark. (laughs) Because I'm not sure any other way to read that. God is telling Moses, I am going to put words in your mouth. I am gonna put words in your mouth. And then he's like, okay, here's Aaron. Why don't you go ahead and put some words in his mouth? I will be with both of you as you speak and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He'll be your mouthpiece and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. Verse 17, and by the way... Take your shepherd's staff with you. And Moses finally stops basing his conversation and his decisions of off of what he or anybody else has ever said or not said about him. Moses finally moves in obedience. And there's this perspective shift that happens at this point in the reading of the text It's interesting because this shift in the language happens not in an altar moment with a burning bush when he hears the voice of God, but in the action steps when he packs up to go home to the place where he never really belonged. Here's the shift, Exodus 4.20. In his hand, he carried the staff of God. Finally, this change from it's about me and it's about what I have in my hand and what I could say or not say and what I could do or not do. Wait, this is about God. This is about his miracle. This is about his power. This is about his glory. You guys, I'm Moses. I have run from my own bravado's failures. I have questioned who I am, where I come from, whether or not God can use my story, my gender, my marital status, my parenthood status, my resume, my ethnicity, my mental health. Like Moses, I have questioned who am I over and over and over again. I have lied and said it was a better idea for someone else to do the talking when God called me to steward the mouth he gave me even when I knew better. Worship team, will you guys come on up? Years ago, this is not the Hagen story. Years ago, President Hagen and I were on a church planting team that quarterly would go to this place called San Damiano. It was this little monastic retreat center in the foothills to meet and pray and plan with the rest of the team. Once uh, the leader at the time brought in another pastor to encourage our group of about 12 pastors and we were told this guy really moved in the prophetic. So everybody who's Pentecostal gets a little excited in that moment, right? Like, I'm gonna get a word. Like, God's gonna speak over my life. I'm gonna reach the nations. And as we had a prayer time together and we were all doing that pastor thing where we don't like stand in a line, we kind of go around different parts of the room and we keep our eyes closed because that's what good prayers do. Dude went around that room and, Found eleven people in the room, stood in front of them, and gave a word over their life, over their future ministry, cool Jesus stuff that was also really ego encouraging. Eleven times. All except for me. You're laughing? I counted, I was counting, I'm a three, I was counting, 11 other people, except for me. We went quietly back into the conference room, and I sat down and I wrote, okay, God, I didn't get his word for me, I desperately need your word for me. years later. This word for me. God's words for me. As much as Pentecostal preaching is honestly one of my favorite things to do, I am tired of hearing someone else's or even my own words and thinking that'll preach. This semester, May we be so invested in what God has said that we can simply read through it together and say, that preached. And that is why I can confidently walk down from this platform that I've been honored with this semester without having to put up a lot of well-crafted lines today. Maybe there will be more of those in a couple weeks when I'm back because together we read God's well-crafted lines and they preach. Men and women of God, my challenge to every single one of us today is to take the Holy Spirit inspired word of God and partner it with the Holy Spirit empowered life that you have been given. Okay, that was good, stand up. We're going to worship for just a sec. I still have a Hagen story to deliver to you. But can we do this? Can we take the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God and partner it with the Holy Spirit-empowered life you have been given? Can you go and lead a social justice movement like Moses? Can you go and educate the next generation of leaders for our country? Can you go and speak for the voiceless? Can you go do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God? Ladies and gentlemen, this semester... We're all the mo and share.